we tend to lose sight of what we actually control in life. Mm -hmm. And then we fixate on these things that we that we really don't, what I would call the theirs generally. Yes. So I, so I think it's what's mine, what's theirs, and what's God's. Yes. What, what do I control? What do the people around me control? And what does God control? And it's stay in your lane around, don't try to be God, don't try to be them, or else you're gonna be super stressed, you're not gonna get stuff done, you're not gonna get all of them. But, but the average employee thinks in those terms. Right. They have given control of their career yes, to good. an organization, to yes. a boss, yes. and then, now think about why we do that, because then we have an excuse. It demands nothing of us, yep. and then we're just sitting back waiting on life to happen to us. All right, y'all, welcome to Off the Record. We now officially have a title for this. I'm Mark Clark. This is Kevin Thompson. Where did the y'all come from, by the way? Is that my impact did I on you? say that? I, I oh, think, my goodness. Did I, I'm becoming you. I think I have you wearing my shirt. Said, and now yeah. I never said y'all until I moved down to California. And I, and I hung out with a couple people from, what did you call yourself, an Arkansanian? No, an Arkansan. An Arkansan. Look up, everybody. Google whether that's actually a word or, and, and share it on your YouTube comments. Because no one's ever said Arkansan other than the man sitting beside me. So you are from Arkansas. Yes. Tell, tell us about that. I mean, th th this 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 crowd of thousands, hundreds, sure. doesn't know you. Uh, so I want to get to know you a little bit. Wait, Kevin wrote a book, a great book. Uh, we're going to talk about it in a little bit. But I want to get into your life first here. Um, yeah, tell us about yourself. You grew up where? Yeah, so I, I, yeah, I grew up in Fort Smith, Arkansas, which Fort is right, Smith, right in the Arkansas. middle of nowhere. Here's the, here's the claim the to population? fame. Population 100,000. Okay. Claim to fame was it's where Elvis got his hair cut whenever he went into the military. Oh, right. So that was a big deal. Yeah, no, it was. A I, I watched deal. the movie and they and they were playing that into like, he got a haircut, he's going to the military, let's use him one way, you know. So Yeah, that was Fort Chaffee, which is right outside of Fort Smith. No, absolutely. Wow. So Arkansas, I always thought I grew up in the South. Right, because you think Arkansas is in the south, Definitely. and then I went to a grad school in Birmingham, Alabama, and I was mm. like, "No, this, this is That's actually this is actually the south." That's so a little bit more Midwest, probably okay. blue okay. collar, hardworking, great people, yeah, love their families, all that kind of stuff. Love it. Uh, okay, so you 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 you're, you grow up there. You're born and raised there, and then what 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 are you going to do with your life? You played some golf. Yeah, I did. I always grew up playing a great golf, playing all sorts of sports, yeah. no doubt. Uh, but grew up in the church and really, I mean, late junior high, started feeling like this call to preach. And so at that point it was, are you going to go be a lawyer, a politician, uh, a coach? or But then this desire to, to preach kind of came along. So by high school, I already knew what I was going to do and, and went from that direction. Then went to college in Oklahoma. Okay. And uh, gra yeah, graduate school in Alabama. So, and then you started working in ministry, a church, like, what that look like? Yeah, I started, yeah, started preaching whenever I was uh, high school, mm. and would go around to every little small town that, you really? know, you, you look back on that. I mean, you know what it's like. I mean, not that that was your exact experience, but mm. you understand the early days of preaching, you look back and just feel sorry for the people, of like they had oh, to actually goodness. listen to you. Oh, goodness. I think my first sermon was on uh, Matthew 23, and I was a young, you know, full of... Stuff and vinegar. I don't know what the, off the record and what we can say here, but uh, you know, and I was like 
the most angry chapter I could find, you know, in the Bible. And she says, Hey, you got you whitewashed tombs. You're all full of stuff. And I just pre, and I just yelled at these, you know, kids and I'm sitting there, you know, having a cigarette out back, put it out, get up, open my Bible, yell at them for an hour for being church kids because they, they had grown up in that and weren't welcoming me into the church. So I kind of screamed at them for an hour, but I felt bad about it after. Cause I was like, I did Colossians one, the supremacy of Christ. So I was preaching about Jesus. Yeah. And I was preaching against the religious preaching spirit. Against, which, yeah. We don't need to look up my first sermon, Jordan. We don't really have to That would do be that. excellent yeah, we got, we, we got a research assistant here who looks up, makes sure that yes. what we're saying is legitimate. The so se- we're going to track down your Fort Smith. That sermon that has seven views. Let's go yes. look at it right now. Hey, that would be a lot. Um, okay, so you uh, you get into preaching, you get into pastoring, and then you end up at this church. So Kevin came to work at uh, Bayside a couple of years ago and doing a great job, family life pastor. But before that was the boss at a church, was the senior pastor, senior leader. Uh, tell us about that church and that yeah. experience. Yeah, great experience. So it was planted by my father in the ministry. So whenever I went off to college, he planted this church there in Fort Smith. So I went to grad school. I'd come back and preach to do all those things. So whenever I was leaving grad school, I had these decisions to make. thought about going to Princeton to get my Ph.D. in preaching. Could have stayed in Alabama. Had had a job opportunity in Oklahoma, but then had this opportunity back in Arkansas, Church of 300, come on and be a teaching pastor with the idea that eventually he and I would switch roles. I would become the lead pastor. He would stay on staff for a while. Chose to do that. Church grew greatly, you know, 300 people to uh, probably 1,200 people when he and I actually switched roles uh, in 2008, and then a church grew, and it was just fun, sweet experience, mm. love it. Uh, pastoring my hometown, my mom lived across the driveway, my my old Sunday school teachers were in the church. I mean, just yeah. crazy thing to to think about, that you're supposed to be the spiritual leader of these people who, who right. grow you up. Right. Now... Now, the, one of the things um, that I think people find interesting is is one of the reasons you got you you ended up going. I I, I think God might be calling me away from here because you know this shows off the record. So we got to talk about things that are more interesting than right down the right down the pike here. So you there was, to tell us the story, but little New York Times, little like what you were in a, you were in a situation. Oh, we're going here. Yeah, we're gonna go oh, here. Okay. Yeah, it's off the record, bro. <laughs> so. Uh, so you were in a situation where politically, I don't know if you guys know this, but politically America was <laughs> divided uh, during the Trump years, uh, especially in church life. And, uh, you know, conservative churches were very, you know, pro-Trump and non-conservative churches weren't. And churches were trying to find their identity. And there was all this tumult and craziness going on. And you're pastoring a church in Arkansas at a time like that. And you start to see some of the dangers in some of these idealistic ways both on the left and the right and you and you pastored in the way that you thought God was calling you to and some stuff started to you know bubble up a little so to yeah. take us through a bit of that journey yeah <laughs> yeah whatever you feel safe enough to say and off the record yeah, yeah off the so record. <laughs> yeah so I, I really I haven't talked about this publicly okay. other, other than yeah and don't feel yeah the original interview and okay. so here, okay. here we are all right so I mean Mark I think we share a, a common idea about what preaching is about that uh, preaching is not about talking to people outside the room to make people inside the room to feel better. Right. That preaching instead is taking this text, first and foremost confronting us, mm-hmm. and then confronting those who are in this room, and comforting sure. as well, but confronting no doubt. Yeah. And so that was always my viewpoint of preaching. And so obviously where, where we were 
uh, in Fort Smith was as politically conservative as you could you could possibly be. That was my upbringing. That's who I was uh, as, as well. But part of the task of that is then to confront those people with with areas that maybe their political ideologies don't line up with Scripture. And, and so that was just always my easy job. Easy job. Clearly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, and that's what we had always done. It always worked really well. And, but but something changed on both sides of the aisle, of course. Oh no, yeah, yeah. question. Yeah. yeah, no question. Yeah. And so, uh, in you know, in 2015, uh, things changed. Hmm. And uh, I wrote an article on my blog in, in 2015 about, hey, we're in 2016, we're coming into a very contentious election. Now, think about what's going on in Arkansas at this time. So you, so you have Trump, who obviously is going to win the state, it's a Republican state, <clears throat> and, and then he's running against our former first lady of Arkansas, Clinton. Mm-hmm. And so she had a, a good number of friends who were in this community as well. And I just wrote a very basic article in the midst of all the contention that basically said this. Look, however you vote in this scenario, mm-hmm. I get it, and I don't blame you. Mm-hmm. And I'm totally good with that. For me personally, I can't vote for either one mm-hmm. because, to me, character is a prerequisite to leadership. I don't see it here. So I'm going to vote for somebody else. I don't know who. I'm going to vote oh, for wow. somebody else. I didn't know and, that. Uh, and, and so be it. Right. right. Like, like, no big deal. Right. Um. And oh my god! So you didn't say this isn't from the pulpit. This is your no, own personal own, blog. Yeah. There's side hustle. You're a writer. Yeah, you love to do this. Okay, personal blog that that just uh, just what I'm trying to show people is Christians can come to different conclusions about these issues in faith, vote and do things in different ways, and that's totally fine. Sure. And and we should still have this deep fellowship with one another, sure. love yeah. and affection yeah. for each other. Yeah. Uh, but literally in that moment, got blamed for everything possible. Ba- basically, it was if you don't vote for him, you're voting for her. If you don't vote for her, you're sure. voting for him. So I, I started saying I, I'm the most powerful person I've ever met. Then, but by not voting for either, I'm voting for both. I mean, that's a pretty powerful thing right, that you right. think you can pull off now. And, and it just began a, a spiral there. Thought the election happened. Thought it was over. Uh, but then George Floyd happened, and and just the race element of what was going on. So the New York Times article eventually came out. Uh, it, yes, you know, take a, yeah. And what was the yeah. New York Times article? It was some a journalist that wanted to write an article on on that stance that you took, or or just talk to people in your church, or yeah, what was she, the New York Times? So article? yeah. So so Ruth Graham's the the writer, a great writer. She wanted to do a, an article on how Trumpism was putting pressure on pastors and and. and uh, I mean, literally, in in my opinion, it, it was not the whole church by any means. It, it was a small segment of the church. Mm-hmm. The fact that I wasn't willing to bow my knee to Trump, mm. that was they were done with me. Mm. And it was such a small segment of the church that it wasn't that big of a deal, except they leveraged tremendous power and pressure. As a matter of fact, looking back on it, and even at the time, I almost feel guilt from the standpoint of... Because a good number of these people, it, they weren't they weren't active church members. They were they were Christian by political stance more than faithfulness mm. to Christ. Mm. And the fact that I was so um, moved by that mm. is it. it I, I feel some guilt as far as that goes because we really shouldn't be be driven by people who aren't sure. fully engaged with Christ. Sure. And, and yet that's where I stood. And then beyond that, there, there were there were some great people who you know drank the Kool-Aid. Right. And, uh, so the New York Times article, we just pulled it up here, as a seismic shift fractures evangelicals, an Arkansas pastor leaves home, and then it has you 
uh, sitting at a cemetery or something. <laughs> That's exactly sure what right. That, so so what, what, was, what does that title mean, Leaves Home? What does that mean? So, is, that, so, is that when you decided to come to California? Yes. Yeah, so I oh, thought I, I thought I was going to be there. My uh, I, I'm here to sell my book, Stay in Your Lane. <laughs> I did not know we were going to talk about this. I came to uh, – so, so the idea was I thought I was going to pastor there my entire life. I, I kind of <laughs> so took the – I kind of took the, the, the as my son Silas said, this book is going to change tens of tens of people's lives. Yes, that's and true. so uh, we so, will get to that. But yeah, I, I mean, kinda, I've never had an article okay. about me in my church in yeah. New York. I mean, it's amazing. So, so here's the funny thing about this. So, so the, and it wasn't a bashing. It was a, no, well, no. It was it was a good article. It was a fair article. Sure. The 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 principle was this that I thought I was going to live there my entire life and, and pastor and, and these events caused me to look someplace else. Now, sure. now I look back in the sovereignty of God and go, you know what, this is the only way God could have moved me, is sure. something like this. Sure. But the the writer, uh, Ruth Graham, the, the, the reporter here, was running to write a story about what's going on inside the evangelical church. Sure. Because the perception was, especially uh, to readers of the New York Times, is the whole evangelical church is all behind Trump. Hmm. And she wanted to show that's not the case, hmm. that just as society is divided, so is the evangelical church. Sure. And so, I mean, for me, where I was taking so many, so much of my solace was Russell Moore, Beth Moore, uh, right, Max Licato, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 then I think about whenever, especially whenever it comes to issues of race, which is really where the the the, the tension was really mm-hmm. about race, mm-hmm. uh, not COVID, okay, but but much more uh, about race in that moment. And so, even among the Black Lives Matters uh, movement, I, I wrote an article about that just from a theological standpoint. Forget the organization, mm-hmm. but just that idea of obviously the church shouldn't hesitate to say that Black Lives Matter. And uh, you, you think about even in John's Gospel, the disciple that 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 Jesus loved, right? This mm-hmm. this this narrowed down kind of kind of moment. What what I wrote an article that just basically said this, look, you can't talk about the all unless you talk about the each. Mm-hmm. So if you truly believe that all lives do matter, nobody hesitates whenever I say my daughter with special needs, her life matters. Nobody hesitates mm-hmm. at that. Nobody hesitates whenever I talk about uh, what we're doing to police officers, to military, that their lives matter. And yet for some reason, whenever I said black lives matter, mm-hmm. apart from the organization, just from a theological mm-hmm. concept. Because um, they were packing in all the other yeah. things into whatever that phrase meant for yeah. the things that they were reading about. Well, it means this and it means that, right? No doubt. And and, and I mean, I, I could stand up and I would regularly stand up on, on a Sunday morning and say, look, we, we all struggle with lust. We all struggle with gluttony. We all struggle with greed. Um, we all have biases. Oh, hang on. Hmm. With that last one, how dare you call me a racist? Right. Well, oh, wow. now wait a second. Right, we we just listed all you. All you would say is we all have biases, and yes. then they would jump that into yeah, some. Right. So, Again, right, I right, think it's right. very important because yeah, yeah, yeah. the article. I think the article nationally was read properly. It was this idea of hey, this is a national story of what's going on. It was happening here in California. It was mm-hmm. happening there. Uh, I, I mean, I talking to somebody recently, and they were talking about what it was like to pastor in Portland at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, he said, "Man, this is exactly what was going on in Portland." I'm like, "Are you?" Crazy, right. like Portland and Arkansas have the, the right, same right, right. same experience. Right. So nationally, I think the story was read that way. Locally, some people got their feelings hurt because they thought it was a shot I was taking at the individual church, which was right. not my desire. Okay, at, so, at all. so let me pivot this very tense, difficult time in your life. Yeah. Now you know God used it to bring you out to California, and, and now you're passing here. So let's use that then. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it was to use it as a metaphor or a symbol or an example of exactly what this book is about. Yeah. 
Yeah, and how I how I failed really. (laughs) Well, think about what this book's about. So here's what you got to understand. So we wanted to, as a church, start. We have so many great thinkers and writers, and and we want to resource the church. We want to resource the world worldview thinking. And so we said, what would it be like to launch a publishing arm, a Thrive Publishing, Thrive Media? Content, videos, book publishing. And so Kevin wrote the first book uh, of this Thrive Media arm department that we're doing that we want to resource people. Amazing book. So we said, okay, Kev, write a book. So he took this thesis, Stay in Your Lane is the name of the book. Um, And he took a thesis that he'd been using for 25 years as a pastor. And he took it all. He said, look, I've been shepherding, counseling people through every decision-making scenario in their life uh, using this strategy and so take this give us a thesis strategy but then come back to you how did did you succeed or fail at this massive decision you made to come here and then we'll get into what it means for all the viewers yeah that's totally fair i, I don't even remember where it came from to be honest with you just something the, the, kind of idea yeah it just kind of happened over time that i would be sitting with somebody they'd be in my office we'd be at a restaurant whatever and they'd start talking about an issue and if it were in my office i'd turn around and take a sheet of paper and draw two lines down it to make three columns and write at the top, what's mine, what's theirs, what's God's. And right. then, then I would say, hey, hey, fill this out, and that's going to answer the issue. As you know, Mark, we, we deal with people in so many different mm-hmm. situations, and yet you need a framework by which you're going to assist people. Because in the end, it's not you telling them what to do. There are times in which they yeah. want to do something foolish, and we can say very clearly don't do that. But most of the time we're dealing with people who are trying to figure out, do I marry this person? Do I break up with this person? Yes. Do I buy this business? What is God's will, right? Yes, exactly. Am I supposed to move or not? And, yes. and, and so you can't tell them what to do, but you want to assist them to understand how do we go about making this decision? Yes. And so it, it got so popular actually that that we, we actually had them printed off and put on the side of my desk to where if I'd be talking to a couple or to an individual, I could just easily grab it, hand it you to them. You have like 50 yes. stacks no, of it's that. Right there. And it's just, hey, fill this out. And and people look at that and they're always like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. I I live in this complicated decision that's before me. You think with a napkin, you can solve it. And I'll be like, trust me. Yeah. And and then they would start working through that. And it's just amazing to me because here's what tends to happen. We tend to lose sight of what we actually control in life. Mm -hmm. And then we fixate on these things that we that we really don't, what I would call the theirs generally. Yeah. So, I, so I think it's what's mine, yeah. what's theirs, and what's God's. Yes. Uh, what, what do I control? What do the people around me control? And what does God control? And it's stay in your lane around. Don't try to be God. Don't try to be them, or else you're going to be super stressed. You're not going to get stuff done. You're not going to all of that. Okay, yeah. No, absolutely. And even if you look back in the very almost last page of the book, you have this illustration that really lays it out then uh, of this basic concept of I tend, whenever I ignore what's mine and I try to control what's theirs and I deny what's God's, I'm going to get stuck, confused. My life is going to be chaotic. Yes. But the moment I begin to actually control what is mine. Yes. So, so what is it that God has actually given me control over? Now let's own that fully and then begin to, respect the decision-making processes of other people, that, that you have a right now to make this decision. Think, think about this from a career standpoint, right? So you're, you're one of my bosses, right? We have multiple. You're one of them. If, if we're not very careful, the average employee thinks in these terms, you're in, in control of my career. 
And so I'm just sitting back passively going, well, if Mark would care more about marriage ministry, if Mark would give me a national platform, if Mark would leverage all of his that's stuff. That's what we're doing here, that's, Kev, Yes, that's, we are off the right record. Now. I am now being skyrocketing to number three of podcasts called Off the Record. In front, Minnesota, watch out. <laughs> yeah, and so, uh, but, but the average employee thinks in those terms. Right. They have given control of their career yes, to good. an organization, to yes. a boss. Yes. And then now think about why we do that. Because then we have an excuse. Mm-hmm. It demands nothing of us. Yep. And then we're just sitting back waiting on life to happen to okay. us. But the moment we begin to recognize, you don't own my career. Mm-hmm. I ch- I've chosen to work for you. You have chosen to allow me to work for you. Either one of us could change our mind at any moment, especially depending on how this goes. Mm-hmm. Since, I didn't, <laughs> since I didn't know you were going to talk about the New York Times, I may not have a job after this, actually. <laughs> uh, but, but that's what we've chosen. But, but I control that aspect yes. of it, and which then empowers me to act. It, it gives me a sense of agency yes. o- over what's going on in, in life. Mm-hmm. But then there's the what's theirs column. Well, mm-hmm. I can influence you through my words, through our relationship, through my model. It, it's not like I'm helpless regarding yes. what other people have, but I don't control it. Yes. And, and whenever I, whenever I, and spend so time- much of life is spent trying to control what other people should or should not do, what other people should and should yeah. not think, and it causes mass amounts of anxiety. Right? That's where the worry That's where the worry really comes in. And here, think about the difference between, I think, what would be worry versus work. So if this is a book about decision-making, we shouldn't worry about our decisions, but we should work on our decisions. Mm-hmm. Proverbs would say it this way, that, that we should weigh our decisions. Mm-hmm. So, so weighing is the, this, it's the old symbol of a bank, right? So you would come in with an unknown value of, of what you hope is gold, And the way they would figure out how much gold that has is they would take scales and they would have these known weights, these tested weights over here. And they would would put your unknown quality on one side. They would put the known quantities on the other. And whenever those balance out... You now have a value of this thing that was unknown. Mm-hmm. So, so in that, you're weighing it. You're actually doing work to figure it out. Mm-hmm. What does worry do? Worry feels the exact same way. I'm thinking about it. I'm ruminating about it. My body has changed because of it. But it's not taking me anywhere. Worry stays the same day after day after day after day. That's a sign that you're putting mental energy into right. something you really don't control. Right. And that's where I think a lot of people are. I want you to show us how you use this to make this decision to come yeah. here. I mean, I came down here from Vancouver. Yeah. I uh, discerned the will of God in my life and had to make a decision. He came down here, and that's a different story for a different day. Yeah. But you knew this. Did you use this yeah. for this decision to come here? Yes. I, I used it. In some ways, I used it. In some ways, I ignored it. One way I ignored the book and I paid the price mm-hmm. is in, in leading during COVID race political tensions. Uh, I did not control what was mine, my own attitude, my own energy levels, mm-hmm. my own uh, sense of identity. Mm-hmm. That's either mine or God's. We can talk about it either way. Mm-hmm. What I tended to do was to fixate on what was theirs, and that was other people. Mm-hmm. And so these people that I love, these people that I pastor, I took on uh, their decisions. I took on their their opinions of you. Their opinions right. of me. Well, and we all do that. I mean, that's yes. that's the human story. Yeah. But we pay a price for it. Yeah. And, and we know it. And, and that, I think that's what's difficult is we know better, mm-hmm. but we tend not to do it. And, 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 and we get so much of our identity from the people that we pastor rather than just 
loving them well and saying, hey, this is this is where it falls. But whenever it comes time to actually make this decision about coming here, uh, then yes, then it becomes, all right, what's mine? Well, I, I get, because of the world in which we live, I get to choose where I work, mm-hmm. whom I work for, where I live, where my family lives. Though, as long as I can get somebody to hire me, mm-hmm. I can go there. Um, and, and then what's theirs? What are other people going to think about it whenever I move? Are, are, are people going to be hurt? Are they going to feel abandoned? You know what? That belongs to them. That's between them and God. Sure. And ultimately, God is going to sovereignly, even if I'm making the wrong decision, mm. he's going to use this now for, for my good, for his glory. So what did you, just thinking of the people out there that are mm-hmm. thinking about decision-making in their own life and face decisions like you made, what does God have to do or what did it look like when you decided to make that move and come here? What what part did God play? What did it, did you did you fast? Did you go to spiritual counselors? Did you read the Bible? Did you work? Like what did it what did yeah, it all look no, like? No, absolutely. And, and the idea you're you're searching out, praying to God, all right, God, if man, first of all, if you don't want some of this happening, just close doors and I won't have to worry about it. Like you know, if if nobody wants to interview you, you don't have to wonder is so that you started looking before God's you quit will. though. Like formally Yeah, I I, ca- yeah. I came to a point here's what I told Jenny. I said, Jenny, if we could stay here for the rest of our lives uh, but if we do, there's there's a a chance that this could become a bitter experience, mm-hmm. or we could leave, and by leaving, this will always be a sweet experience. And in my opinion, I think that that these people that I'm trying to pastor would benefit from hearing a a different voice sure. say the same thing I've been saying. Yeah. So, because I mean, that's the funny thing to me. You know what it's like as a pastor. You know, you preach something for ten years, and somebody comes up to you one day after church and goes, "Man, I heard this Andy Stanley podcast, and he said this most brilliant thing." And you're like, "I stole that from Andy Stanley ten years ago. I've been telling you that for ten years, and yet this different voice." Yes. And so I look back. I look back on what I preach. I look back on what I wrote, and that's the that's the fun thing about a blog is everything I wrote is still out there. You can find it. You can look at it time tested. And what I'm what I'm probably proud of is is when things pop up in my memories and you read it now, and you go, yeah, that 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 stood the test of time. Even though as contentious as it was at the moment, this idea that uh, you know what I believe character matters in leadership. And, and for me, uh, looking at biblical leadership, character, strong character is a prerequisite. And I am not going to sign my name. Uh, to somebody else who has at boasted about sexually assaulting people. No, not going to do it. And have no shame in saying, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to stand in other people in judgment of how they vote, anything like that. But but time has 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 played nicely, I, I think, in, in, in those ways. And that's one of the powerful things, I think, about a, a blog that's out there now that as you're scrolling, as Jordan's scrolling through it, I'm a little bit more afraid about what you might come <laughs> let's, up let's on. Let's read the in, one in called A way. Secret About Today, which could change <laughs> everything about your marriage. Um, so he just pulled up a, uh, 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 an article that you wrote a couple years ago, or I don't know when it was. If you go back one page, 10 texts that you're supposed to Send your spouse. There we go. What's that? Let's scroll up. Let's Talking see. about what's remember. mine and what's hers. Yeah. Let's, so these let's, are way. And look, can a good, we make that a any good, bigger, a good advertisement there for happily oh yeah, for couples go. who want to love last. I and laugh. choose you all over again. Oh, so here. Let's Have do you this. ever text? Hey, I'm going to text this? Jenny right now no, no, no. and see if you've ever texted her the words. Here's. I choose you all over. Again. I want you. I don't have my phone because charging. I want you to grab your phone right now and choose one of these and send it to Aaron and see Aaron. her response. Thank you. Can for, we do that? Ooh. Can you take your phone I right now? I wouldn't want to do that. I wouldn't want to do that. I've got it covered. Should I just do it random? No. What? Well, you get like. Does it have to get make one any of the sense to her? Can, can, I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> last night was fun. There we go. Yeah. Was it? Okay. Uh, 
That's a great idea. Uh, would that any What's work? one thing I can do for you? Tech, do that one right there. Oh, I don't know if I want to live up to that. Hey, What's Eric, one thing I can do for you today? Yeah. Shoot. That's What's tough to live up to. What if she actually says, I need you to go to the bank? I need then, you to go Then go. Store. Bro, I'm tired. I just want to go home. Golly. I just want to go home and eat. All right. How about number uh, 10? Hold on. Let's go for a walk later. Aw. Uh, I don't feel like doing that, though. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Want to meet uh, at home for lunch? Real. Uh, <laughs> I miss you. Oh, that's cute. Let's go up to the top. What Pick was one. the top one? Pick one. I like Let's this. Let's go to the top one. I choose you all over again. See Aaron's response. Choose you all over again. But what if she sends in a, a sincere response? And that's because it is sincere. Is it not true? No one talks like that, though. What? No one says that in a text. Why? I choose you all over again? What is this? You wouldn't? A J-Lo romantic comedy? Are you taking, like... Like marriage tips no, from Jerry I Springer? Would. Like who of course does? I would you know, I met choose her all over again, but no one says that. Hey, you know I met Springer one time. Really? Jerry yeah. Jerry, he, you're super nice. Get, you're trying to get us uh, uh, views right now by mentioning Jerry. He was, you know, he just died. Jerry, Jerry, <laughs> Jerry. I grew yeah, up on that show. He's never I heard mean, that in his entire life. Right. Can you imagine? I grew up on that show. Okay. Uh, what, Why? What was the other one down? Okay, what about Jerry Springer? Scroll down a sec. I just met him one time at a baseball game. I'm proud to be yours. Last night was fun. That's These are good things. Idea. I think everybody What's in the room. one thing I can do for you today? Okay. What's one thing I can do for you today? Okay. If she texts back something, <laughs> you know, spicy, I don't know. Well, we are off the we record. Hey, yeah, I, I just, had to talk about the New York it. Times. You have to talk about whatever comes up. Believe me, it probably will not be this spicy. Was... It'll be like, yeah. How about put up the put up the garbage idiot or something like that? Okay, so let's a couple different stay in your lane options that you put at the end. Parenting, want to give a, you give us you give a great example about mother in laws and needing to make decisions about like uh, kids that they don't like. So a mother uh, loves their son. Their son marries a girl. She's not a big fan of the girl. The other son says, if you keep bringing this one around, my family doesn't want to come on this vacation. Yeah. Great example. So you sat them down. The book opens with this story. Ha- so happens all down. the time. Yeah. What, what's yeah. mine? What's yours? What's what's theirs? So no, it happens all the time. So so you you get you get a you know big family vacation, and yet one of the children marries somebody, a spouse that's a little bit more difficult, and, and suddenly the family vacation isn't nearly as fun right. as as it used to be, and so traditionally the the parents slash grandparents who are paying for everything think they they have no choice that they have no control not recognizing that they do have choices and so one scenario this is going on and so i'm sitting down talking to the the oldest generation and i said hey you have some choices to make and they're like no we don't there's nothing we can do about this i said absolutely don't invite him and they're like oh hang on i said now that comes with consequences Because if you don't if you don't invite her, that means your son's probably not going to show up, and the son doesn't come up. The grandkids probably won't be there. But that's a choice that you have. The rest of the kids could still have a great time, or you could have a conversation with them. That conversation could go well. It could maybe maybe not go well. You have all these options of what you can actually do. But we tend to get so narrowed in that that we we feel helpless. That's that's where a lot of people are. By the time they reach conversation with us in the lobby or wherever mm-hmm. it is, they feel helpless in their situation. Okay. And the truth of the matter 
matter is we are rarely helpless. Uh, another scenario, whenever it comes to adult children, which I think is is actually one of the one of the places of application yeah. this book works the best, Absolutely. is once your kids reach about seventh grade until forever, mm-hmm. right? As you're raising these little adults now and as they get older. But I'm sitting with the, with the family, and uh, the mom talks about how she doesn't necessarily like, like the girlfriend, which is totally f- the girlfriend of the son, mm-hmm. which is totally fine, right? But then it comes up that that she has shared this information mm-hmm. and that the you know the son is like you know 30 and I'm like what business is that of yours right. to without request <clears throat> now share your opinion he gets to marry whoever he wants to marry now if he asks your opinion right. great but if not you you have to now stay in your lane sure. so, on this so what did these people do with the with the kid that they didn't want to bring them up to the vacation with the vacation it well it ended up they had a conversation that here's 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 what happened in previous vacations. It was very uncomfortable. Nobody liked it. Right. Nobody uh, likes your wife. Did, they didn't quite put it that way. That's what they're saying. They thought it. But, but uh, that is what they're saying. That's what the person's going to hear. But the, well, that's what's difficult called about having the conversation. Nobody yeah. likes your wife. You shouldn't. You should come up and yeah. not bring her. It wasn't done in that way. It was much more of this idea <laughs> of here's the behavior that was not acceptable. Yes. Now, if it, we would love for you to come back, but you can't have that behavior. Right. And so if that behavior happens again, we're not coming back anymore. But if, but if you can say this behavior isn't going to happen, it was an right. anomaly, then come back. That conversation happened. It was tense. It was uncomfortable. That appeased the other kids to know that the parents were dealing with it, not yes. just blowing, sure, sure. blowing it off. And, and then the vacation actually happened, and it was reasonably successful, right? Okay. Still a little tense, still a little yep. uncomfortable, yep. but they figured it out. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Has, she, right. has she texted about it? No. Okay. Um, politics. Yeah. Another example is you say this can be applied to anything. Yeah. Family, decision making, parenting, and then one of the last examples you give is politics. So how would it be applied to politics? Coming full circle back around. Oh, it can go go a variety of ways. For one, uh, I'm I'm in charge and in control of my one vote, and that's it. Yeah. That's all I have. And, and I don't know what y'all did in Canada, but here in America, we get a vote. We don't get to vote. And so and it's just, uh, is it sit just there in our whatever houses. The, whatever the Queen says? Do, yeah, whatever the Queen says. That's or exactly. the King now. I don't understand this how is, that works. This is international <laughs> geopolitics for a, for a guy from Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we ask so, the King what we shall so, do, and he tells us. So I get my one vote. Yes. That's all I should feel responsible for. Mm-hmm. But you look at the last couple of elections of my lifetime, it really was the church is ultimately responsible for the outcome that we think is right. Right. And, and so here's the danger of that, is if we are ultimately responsible for the outcome, very easily people can begin to think, well, the end justify the means. Mm-hmm. So we can do whatever sure. in, whatever means we need to get the outcome that we want, which then empowers us and justifies us to completely ignore the Sermon on the Mount. Sure. I think the truth of the matter is, politically, uh, I think more Christians should run and more Christians should lose. I'm not sure you can win an election in this country without lying. Mm. We don't have a right to lie. Mm. So while everybody else would say, twist your opponent's words, take whatever they meant, Mm. take it, kind of twist it off the record in some different way, Mm. and use it for your own benefit, Mm. I can't bear false witness against this other person. Even though they're lying. Yes, be yes, and you're going to be no. Even though they're lying about me, I can't lie back to them. Right. And so if you understand what you actually control, my vote, my candidacy, what's, what other people do, that's up to them. Mm-hmm. God ultimately is in charge of the outcomes. He moves the hearts of kings, mm-hmm. right? It simplifies, I think, the whole election process. And if you look if you look back for the church over the last probably 40 years, but even specifically the last 
10 to 12 years, if we would have just focused on that. In faith, I'm going to vote for who I think is right. I'm not going to judge anybody else. And then we're going to be about the work of the kingdom. Uh, I think the church would have been much more effective and have a much better reputation than what we do. What's your uh, final couple minutes here? What What is your um, thinking? The last episode the only other episode of Off the Record uh, was about ChatGPT, AI, deepfakes, technology, the progress of it. What's your What's your view on that? Yeah, I, well, I, I think I think it's like any technology. Like it's, you've seen the recent stuff where AI has been used with people on the internet, where if they've spoken for any yeah. length of time on the internet, you can take the language. There was a two-hour podcast that was produced that the person never even did. There was phone calls being made to parents saying, "I'm abducted. You know, give me money. I'm a hostage." Uh, anyway, sorry. Some of the dangers. What's your what's yeah, your well, wisdom? I, I think just practically every parent, every family is going to have to have code and, words. And, okay, Jordan is really excited. AI also yes. produced a photo with the Pope wearing a big white puffy jacket. Yes, <laughs> and uh, and it's uh, not real. Obviously, everybody. I mean, not obviously. It looks good. It's not the most insane thing have I've you, ever seen. Have you done? But your, that is have fake. You, have I you mean, done your own AI photos? I have. I didn't know that was a thing. Jordan, let's let's Jordan, pull up some go, hey, Mark Clark through Jordan, history. Go to my Instagram. Egyptian. Go to my Instagram, and oh you can find uh, AI Kevin Thompson. So these are you submit actual pictures of yourself. Oh. It's uh, Kevin underscore A underscore Thompson. Okay. Uh, because it's a common name that I have. So I think here's the thing. I think every family needs to have co- a code word that if you get called in what feels like an emergency, right. you have to be able to say what's the code word. Yes, because the because exactly what you're saying is happening. Yeah, people can, can take like like as much as I'm talking online. Yes. people people can take my words and call my kids at yes. any moment and say blah blah yes. blah blah blah, and my kids will be like dad. Blah, blah. And so it, it is a scary time. And to it be, always yeah. sounds like you're under distress anyway. So, <laughs> it, yeah. So some of the one of the reviews at church, Scott Connor, one of our pastors, showed me the other day. It was uh, his his voice is so hoarse because he's always screaming <laughs> and uh you know that's actually very true my my voice is it is the Tourette's or is it years of smoking was, i don't know what what it is, is the voice i don't know i don't know i gotta figure it out though i used to get so there you go, there you go oh, right look there. at that one look, look at that there there you, he is you're asking us to pull it up because you <laughs> love this photo you think this is the best you've ever looked look at that with the look Oh my gosh! Are we these gonna be are, showing these? This obviously, is AI. Look, that's oh, kind of look, John Mulaney. You love that. Look, that's John Mulaney that's right 007. there. Double O seven. You know? The, oh, oh my! Oh my! Why is the crew laughing at this moment? Because well, look at it, bro. There you go with those. <laughs> any any final uh, advice from Stan your Lane? I, I want to know what you, you read. It, you read it. I love it. What's a, what's the takeaway from it? Uh, the, the, honestly, the takeaway from it. It sounds weird to say. I could have read the first 10 pages and been like, yeah, yeah. that's that's Absolutely. the takeaway. Absolutely. This gave me a tool for the rest of my life that I can apply to a million situations that goes, what is mine? What is theirs? What is God's? And I go, okay, I can't try to be God and I can't control what they think and I can't control this and I can't control this. I can influence, I can pray, I can hope, I can do whatever I need to do. Um, and then, you know, and, it, and it's what, it's what, it's coming back to your point, Sermon on the Mount. It's, you know, what creates worry and anxiety in your life? Don't you realize God takes care of the birds? God takes care of this. And yeah. they don't do all this fandangling around trying to sort of force it, force it, force it. They let life come to them. Yeah. And uh, 
every single one of us needs to figure out a way to, to stay in our lane because if we don't, we're going to be seen as controlling, judgmental, narrow-minded, a jerk, you know, whatever. Um, but if we're, we're we're taking responsibility for our lives, not as you said, projecting it onto other people and and uh, blaming, like you know. My story is a story where I'm born in a situation, broken home. You know, I have all, doing drugs as a little kid. Like, I have all the little, you know, plots of the story where I could have ended up. You know, dad dies, I'm 15, mental illness stuff. I could have been one of the stats of just yeah. the kids out in the street joining a gang, you know, whatever. Um, but I took responsibility for my life and I didn't blame the circumstances only. And to, now, of course, there's environmental circumstances to all of us and where we end up in life um but took some responsibility and that's what's mine yeah where it ends up going is god's and in some ways you know the world but um anyway so that's how i took it i thought it was yeah. super great and in regard to counseling other people helping people with advice even if you're not someone who goes oh this is about me I need help staying in my lane. This book could actually make you go, oh, I'm going to be able to counsel other people about how to stay in their lane, even if it's not a problem for them. So that's Yeah, and, there, and there's a reason it's a small book. I mean, it is. It, yeah. so, so this is something Jenny actually greatly encouraged me to write. This is the first time she's actually encouraged me mm-hmm. uh, to, to write a, a book specifically. She said, Kevin, people need this concept. And, and so, But I said, Jenny, it's six words. What's right. mine, what's theirs, what's God's? It's right. six words. Yes. How can we make this into book form? And so finally she convinced me to write it. I wrote it. You read it. We both agreed it was too long. So I took six words, <laughs> made it way too long. We cut it back. But here, here's the here's the principle of the smallness of the book. Yes. I want a guy to be able to look at this and go, that's doable. Like it, it literally has pictures yes. in it. Yes, like, there are pictures. I can do this. Yes. So the idea is, so I, I flew in right to this morning from OC. The idea is get on an hour-long plane flight, read this book, and by the end of it, not only do you understand the whole book, you now have a, percep- a percep- yeah. perspective yeah. that you can use for the rest of your life on every single decision. That's great. Okay, Aaron, text me back. Two words. Okay. Well, two and a half. You're sweet. Oh, no, look at that. You can't really all because of that, you sent one of the ten texts that I told you to send. And, Imagine if if over the next nine days, what if in the next nine days you sent the other nine? Where would that take you? Again, that other one, the first one was it's weird. It's not weird. What was it going to do I, it I, all I, over hey, again with you? Or I something? want people I, in the YouTube comments to answer this. If a, if if you, I choose you all over again. What is if that? Your spouse a, just came up to you that on a Tuesday weird? and walked into the kitchen and went, you know, honey, I was thinking. I choose you I'd all over choose again. you all over again. I think that's brilliant. I think my wife would go, Bleh. Really? I'm kidding. It's a, it's it's a wonderful excellent. sentiment. Come on. It's a wonderful sentiment. It's, we all love you know your what, blog. Mark? Join it now. I am KevinAThompson.com. What's, what's the name of it? KevinAThompson.com. ChangeTheOdds.com. We got multiple things that are out there. Look at Silas whenever he was three feet tall. Love it. What was going on? Okay, guys. Well, uh, Mark, Mark so- I would choose you all over again to be my boss. Thank, thank you. I don't know if I choose to do this interview all over again because we talked about the New York Times article, which I had no plans on talking about. But here we are. We're trying to get ratings. We're off the record. Okay, guys. Uh, hopefully this stuff's helpful to you. Honestly, amazing book. Get it for yourself. Uh, comment, share if this is helpful. Thank you, Kevin A. Thompson. Thanks, Mark, for guest today.